Test, test, test. Okay. Test, test, test. Test, test, test. Test, test, test. Test, test, test. All right. Test, test, test. Hello, 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 hello. Test, test, test. Okay, 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 okay.
Okay, okay, we are waiting for Q to show up. And I'm also trying to get my computer. I'm using a laptop to um, get my computer to hook up because I want to be able to pipe my computer directly into the audio because I want to play some audio. So I'm just going to see if that works. But in the meantime, feel free to share with people, tweet that we're here. There's sharing buttons within this app. So feel free to use those, share it on your social medias, text your friends, because I want to get a robust conversation going today. Uh, this is Trevor. How's it going? Um, I have not been watching the Phase 4 stuff. I'm kind of burnt out on a lot of TV and movies, which is kind of crazy because I created a call-in show called Media Massacre. I was going to say, about... damn, it sounds like you in the wrong line of work, bro. Yeah, yeah, it was the worst timing ever. Like, I, the, right, the exact time I created a, a podcast called, uh, a call-in podcast called Media Massacre, I get <laughs> burnt out on, on media. But uh, thankfully to you, you've made me uh, watch, like, like all the easy sitting ducks. I have not been watching. I've not been watching Marvel Phase 4. I've not been watching the Star Trek, uh, Kurtzman, like all this stuff that's perfect to bash and focus on. I've just been like, no, I'm okay. I'm just watching like YouTube's on how to design a home, home office. I'm reading like <laughs> Feng Shui books. I'm just like very at peace. And you've like, I feel like Michael Corleone in, uh, Godfather. Is it part two? Like every time I think I'm out, they pull me they back pull in. Me like, you, back in. Yeah, you pulled me back in. Oh, my God. Uh, I mean, spoiler alert, I thought WandaVision was hot uh, garbage. I could not believe this thing. And I was built up to believe this was going... You know the worst thing about this thing? I'm just going to jump right to it. The worst thing about this thing is that the first three episodes were actually good. They had the seeds. They had all the makings of what could have been a really... Like, when I was watching, I was like, oh, wow. I think I'm pleasantly surprised. And it was like the worst um, head fake, you know. It's like, you know, um, this uh, gorgeous girl comes out and she's like going to offer you like uh, a blowjob. Then she, you know, the last thing she opens her mouth and it's just short teeth. <laughs> it, it's just the, the, I've never seen anything. They just this man said it's like you're about to get head from Melina from Mortal Kombat. Because <laughs> I, I I can't believe this thing. It it, it was um, it bothered me more than if it was just sucky all the way through. I just could not believe that, that they would do that. It it was, and it was like it was weird. Like I'm not gonna talk too much because I want to give people a chance to talk. And I want to give you to talk. Uh, give give you a chance to talk. I was gonna say this. Marvel has this thing where its biggest strength is becoming its biggest weakness. Where everything doesn't have to tie in to everything. And even the comics aren't like that. Like, the comics technically all take place in 40, 50, 60, uh, if it's DC, 80 years of continuity. But they don't actually literally try to tie in to every single story. Basically, they give you little things to remind you that you're reading something that takes place in... Um, in 60-year continuity, but they're always constantly doing, like, soft restarts, you know, like, um, you don't actually have to have read Fantastic Four number 67 uh, in 1960-whatever to understand today's. You just have to basically know these are those same characters, and that's that. And that, I think that's the biggest problem right now with Marvel. They're trying too hard to make every single thing tie into each other, and it's going to lead to, like, 
horrible, horrible plot holes and horrible because it, it's just too un, too unwieldy. If you try to make every single thing count and push it to the forefront of people's consciousness twenty four seven, especially when you have like dozens and dozens of people writing for you, you know, because every single installment of everything is written and directed by new people. So there's nobody really, you know, like Kevin Feige, Kevin Feige, no matter how much of a genius you think he is, he's only one guy. He cannot possibly architect this whole thing um, plot-wise, uh, editorial-wise, as he gets this unwieldy and keep the continuity going. Like, things make no sense. That's all I want to say. Okay, I'm going to say one more thing, last thing. And this goes back to Nope. You know what we're seeing in Nope? How, how um, themes don't override plot like you get all the themes in the world and all the easter eggs of theme and all these different metaphors and whatever but if you're basic um mechanics of your movie oh that's no no it, it wasn't with you you weren't here for the nope discussion but yeah i was saying with nope that a lot of people are in love with the themes but to me if you don't have the basic craft of your movie working then i'm not going to care about the about the themes and a lot of these movies now, whether it's like J.J. Abrams or um, Jordan Peele or uh, Damon Lindelof and all these people with this mystery box type of writing and all this uh, theme-based uh, here's 81 Easter eggs you missed from episode 4 type of type of um, TV and movie writing where this kind of feel like if they just give you a bunch of Where's Waldo of themes where you just spend your whole trying to um, spot themes that excuses all the mechanical problems with your show and movie. And to be fair, they've trained the audience to the point where a lot of audience members really do act like that. A lot of audience members they just come in with a pencil and paper, just ready to take a test. And they don't care if basic things make no sense. But uh, to me, if the concrete uh, doesn't work, then I'm not interested in, in, in the abstract. You know what I mean? And uh, th that's kind of the problem for me with this thing. Like, the concrete um, foundation of this thing just was not working in, in any sense. And then I'm not going to sit here and just examine a whole bunch of themes, especially because I think the themes are basically uh, therapy 101 anyway. And uh, that, that's the last thing I'm going to say. No, you're right. But uh, the there's already been um, continuity errors. Like, there's a major continuity error in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And that had to do with how that film wasn't so much a film in itself as it was like connected tissue between um, past and future franchises. So if you hadn't watched WandaVision and you hadn't already watched Spider-Man No Way Home, you might not have much of an idea of what's going on in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And that, that was actually what kind of baffled me about WandaVision was because like how many people actually have Disney plus? Like, I don't know what their viewership numbers were like for one division, but I have to assume that there aren't as many people that are going to subscribe to a separate streaming service like Disney plus, and then watch, what was it? Eight episodes of one division before they go into Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness. So if you went from Avengers Endgame to, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. You'd be like, wait, wh what? What is even going on here? Like, why is Wanda having visions about a couple of children that we've never seen before? And why isn't she even thinking about Vision when her most traumatic incident that we've last seen in the film was her having to watch her her lover um, 
died. Like she had to basically like rip his life out of his forehead and it was all for nothing. So why is she more traumatized by this idea of missing children than she was the vision? She didn't even have a single flashback. I'm guessing it was because they couldn't get Paul Bettany to come back for a cameo appearance, but it still didn't make a lot of sense. And as far as the, uh, the one division show goes, and as far as like the other, um, Marvel, uh, streaming movies like those streaming series on disney plus which i'm going to make you watch all of them by the way i'm just not really sure how these are supposed to fit into the broader picture when there's absolutely no way they're going to get as many people subscribing to disney plus even if they coerce you to do it by making films make no sense if you haven't watched them i think people will just rather check out of the movies altogether and not see them than they will um go subscribe to disney plus so that they know what they're talking about I think they severely overestimated the amount of goodwill Marvel movies um, have. And I think DC and David Zasloff and uh, Warner Discovery, they actually have a really good chance if they just reboot and focus to really take over. Like like Marvel, I saw the plans of Phase 5 and Phase 6, and they are determined to transfer that horrible Marvel Now comics phase into the movies. And that thing almost destroyed the comics. And I don't know what Kevin Feige's doing. I think Kevin Feige's busy counting his money and taking trips or whatever and leaving it in the hands of these weirdos. But, I mean, if this is... I mean, I've not watched a lot of Phase 4. The only thing I watched was, was Shang-Chi. And if this is, like, one of the better Phase 4 things... Everyone told me this is one of the best Phase 4 things they ever did. But if this is, like, the highlight of it, then, yeah, I mean, they're, they're ripe to be dethroned. Like, it's very... Weird. The morality of this thing is the weirdest uh, thing, and what I find so weird is that so many, like liberal writers and you know type of um, whatever, have no problem with the morality of this thing. But a lot of the kind of um, reactionary type of so-called chud YouTubers um, totally are right about the fucked up individual morality of this, and I'm I'm becoming convinced. From just and actually, to be fair, I tried to read and watch stuff from both sides about this. And for example, a good example of takes on both ends is there's this video by this YouTube channel called The Take, and that's the you know normie media positive take on this thing. And there's one called um, by this uh, thing by this guy called uh, I think it's called The Madvocate. I don't know if he's I don't know if he's right wing or not, but by the standard of um, your average social justice person, the fact that he doesn't, like, you know, bow down to this movie would automatically make him, like, right wing. Um, I watched, like, both of those as an example, right? And it's like, there's no understanding in a lot of the um, mainstream, like, you know, like, screen crush, collider, um, the take type takes on this about just how fucked up Wanda's um, morality is, but all these other people who, to me, I get a sense are not great at a lot of broader social issues. They understand, like, wow, Wanda's really, like, fucked up morally here. And, I, and I've come to believe that uh, this, this may be a controversial take. I think for, for white people to understand abstract justice um, across racial lines, gender lines, sexual orientation lines, somehow so breaks the white brain. That they just lose all all common sense. Like it's so. There's too many hundreds of years of colonialism, imperialism, and 
dominance or whatever, like for them to subvert that, you know, um, dynamic, they lose all individual coherence of, of morality in order to abstract, like in order to um, embrace a kind of abstract cosmic justice um, framework. But I mean, that might be too broad a scope for a WandaVision discussion, but um, I don't know. It's, it's kind of how I feel like between the, this Reva character where she's clearly fucked up and people just kind of girl bossing her. And then this thing where it's like, okay, this woman is normally torturing a whole population because she had grief and we're supposed to think she's a hero. The minute she stops doing the bad thing that she was doing, like, you know, yeah, these people have lost the plot in terms of like basic human decency. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we can get into it. Um, as more people call in, but, uh, you were right that there was a bit of a head fake early on where, uh, you were trying to figure out why it was that uh, Wanda and Vision were trapped in this like this uh, TV land universe, and I, I was actually interested to figure out what the the root of all that was. I thought that maybe um, some other, I don't know, like some Marvel supervillain had trapped them in this uh, in this universe. Um, <clears throat> I thought that like I don't know, maybe uh, Wanda's uh, trauma from having seen Vision killed right in front of her eyes. I had left her vulnerable. So I, I actually was interested to get to the bottom of it. Plus at this point, like it was the first IP on Disney plus, and they hadn't really done that whole thing on Disney plus before where they were doing, um, you know, like full on shows starring Avengers characters in a streaming show. So I was interested to see where it was all going, but then by around, like, I think it was like, like by episode four, I was starting to figure out what the, uh, what the plot was. And it was like, oh, okay, so obviously, like, this is Wanda's own doing, but how then are we dealing with the fact that she is actually as much of a threat as the CIA seems to be painting her out to be? So it was like, you have that uh, that FBI agent whose name I forgot off the top of my head that sort of saw the good in her and was, like, trying to help out without um, either angering her more or possibly even, like, putting her life in danger. <clears throat> like, I got all that. But at the same time, I was like, but why are they making the the CIA dude seem like the bad guy when he has every reason to he has every reason to fear her as much as he does? And also, why aren't the other Avengers stepping in here? I mean, you would think that with with uh, the kind of that they would at least call in the other Avengers to try and get her to stand down. He's a cis straight white male. That's the only reason why he's yeah. wrong. I mean, I hate that you're putting me in a position where I have to agree with people <laughs> about that. But I mean, there's this thing where it's like, she's a woman and she's acting on her feelings. So that makes her right. And then this is a, a cis straight white guy who is, um, you know, um, well, just, we don't know. We don't know agree with her. Straight. I mean, we don't know of, of his romantic relationships. Uh, so he's he's, he's automatically guy. straight because he's evil. So so that, that's my take. <laughs> I mean, and you're right. Within the story, he's he's not. But within like the logic, I think of these new shows, I feel like. Uh, but okay, so he he's what I feel right. Like they have the people who are against him right away. They have no reason to be on one side. Like she's basically holding. As far as I know, she's holding a whole town town hostage, and they're they're sticking up for her. 
and there's an Asian guy, the um, sidekick white woman, and the black woman. And I just feel like it's just you created this diverse group of people to kind of imply that you know, oh, these people are on the right side of the argument, all against the cis, presumably straight white man, right? And you know, but I'm like, okay, everything this cis white guy is saying makes sense, like you said, <laughs> like, but. Not just that, even the defense of her makes no sense. Like, as far as I know, she's been a villain up until a couple years ago. She was a hero for, like, two movies. Not, not even two movies. She was for, for, like, no, no. Not even all Avengers 2. Up until the end of Avengers 2, she was a villain. She was um, a hero going into the next big one, um, Civil War, in which case she became a villain halfway through. In the eyes of the public, I mean, by by the standards of the in-story, um, you know, plotline, the Sokovia Accords. I mean, she goes with the, the refugees, right? I mean, the the, the um, renegades, the outlaws, you know? So, you know, they're basically saying she's been a hero for so long. She's done all this stuff. Like, no, she's been a villain for, like, 90% of her public <laughs> existence. She, yeah. she um, was on the right side of things by the audience's standpoint in civil war, but by the public standpoint, she's on the wrong side of things. She's the one who blew up as far as they know Nigeria. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like uh so there's no reason for the general public to think she's good. Like maybe us, the audience, we're supposed to think that because we have a window into the behind the scenes and whatever. There is no reason for these people, Jimmy Wu, uh, Monica Rambeau and the uh two broke girls girl to be so on her side and be be right. Like if anything, it's a sign of incompetence for them, based on the knowledge they should know, to just take her side like this. It's very bizarre. It's supposed to be because we, the audience, are supposed to be on her side because we've seen all the behind the stuff about her. We're supposed to automatically uh, agree with, um, you know, these diverse agents, and I don't think it's earned. I don't think it's earned. It makes no sense. It's just, it's just dumb. No, um, this is something that we, you and I were talking about. Uh, part of the show, which is that I think they assume that the audience, uh, knowing that Wanda is operating on the good side, means that people in universe would think the same thing. And so the villain turn kind of makes sense for the audience, but it makes no sense in universe. Whereas Wanda's villain turn in the 616 universe kind of made sense at the time because, like, aside from um, her and her brother Pietro being um, part of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants like way early on in their career. By the 1980s, 1990s, like they had generally just like been uh, like babyface superheroes. So there was no like yeah. anti-hero or like, villainous aspect to them whatsoever. And then by the time House of N came around, like that was the first time in most people's lifetime that they had seen Scarlet Wedge go bad. Like, you would have been around since the 1970s to see her, like, on the bad side. Yeah, and for and for people who don't understand what 616 is, uh, 616 is the, you know, comics, right? So it's like, um, I've read all the 60s, 70s, and 80s uh, Marvel comics, right? And even from the beginning, the Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, they were like these gypsy orphans, right? So it's like Magneto rescued them and they felt kind of obligated to him but even in their very first appearances they were never really evil they always were shown as being conflicted and then pietro was like 
we owe Magneto our lives, so let's just do this. And then, so even the beginning, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby kind of make it clear these two are not really that bad. They're just kind of um, naive. Uh, and Magneto would actively lie to actually to kind of lie to them to get them on and everything. And then um, very shortly after, like in uh, um, a couple years later, they left and became Avengers. Like this is early in the 60s. So they were not bad for that long. Then they were good for like decades. So by the time Scarlet Witch became evil, it kind of meant something because she was a hero for like a really long time. But like you were saying, she's in this condensed uh, type of universe. Yeah, and she was also like, she was horrendously like uh, scarred also, again, by the loss of vision. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and, and so when she, uh, in the House's in the End storyline, uh, it's not as if she went evil, evil. She just went, um, she, she said, she spoke something into existence that um, it's not even clear if she actually meant to do it, which was to say no more mutants. And it basically stripped the mutant power away from everybody except for, I think, like 300 mutants in the in the Marvel Universe. So it wasn't even as if she, like, took a complete villain turn. It was just that, like, in her, um, you know, in, 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 like, her grief and sorrow, <laughs> she brought something into existence that she might not have meant to. Yeah, it was like one. It was like one moment of um, trauma, you know, not a prolonged. Because because in this one, she knew what she was doing. Even if you can argue she did in the beginning, at various points in this in the show, it's brought to her attention by Vision and other people. Like, hey, you're torturing and controlling a bunch of meat puppets, and she actually gets mad at Vision and shuts him down. She kicks Monica Rambeau out when she tells her. You know, the black woman, she tells her this. So at one point, any argument you had and how did she not, how, this... did, how did Monica Rambeau not die when she got blown out of the, um, out of, out of that little Pleasantville construct? I mean, for the same reason why Agatha Harkness didn't die when the car was, uh, hurled at her <laughs> full, full force. Even the, I mean, yeah. I mean, even she, even she has magic. Her body is a regular human body. There's no reason why, you know, like, I don't understand it, but whatever. I, I have no idea. But you're absolutely right. I have no idea why she didn't die. She, like she, got blown through, she got blown through like the masonry of a house and thrown like three miles through the barrier, which like, okay, fine. Let's, let's say that like, uh, you know, going through the barrier didn't hurt her at all, even though like when um, like other people and objects go through the barrier, it does affect them. But let's say that it doesn't. She still got blown through the masonry of an actual house. Uh, when, when she, when Vision tries to get out of the barrier. It almost shreds his superpowered body. Um, when she goes back into it, she has to push and push. God knows how she got back in, but somehow her her getting hurled through it full force through the barrier does does nothing to her. But like you said, even not including that, getting shot through the house uh, should have killed her. But that's the other thing. Even if Monica Rambeau lived, right, which she did. Uh, there was no and way she, on earth. Not, not only did she live, she just like got up and walked it off like nothing happened. Yeah, and shrugged it off. There's no way that that um, Wanda could have known she was going to live. So basically, Wanda did like attempted murder. You know, the fact that Monica Rambeau lived, like, like that would be like if I threw you off a building 
and then went home and had some had some noodles, had some pasta, and just was like that. That's what they. And then, and then you came up by some miracle, uh, a giant floating balloon was was on the ground, and you didn't die. And somehow, it's okay that you know I'm not a bad person because the balloon was there. Like I had no way of knowing it was a balloon there when I threw you off the building. You know, you know, and yeah. the same thing with her. Like she basically tried to murder, murder Monica Rambeau. Like, like, like they kind of act like throughout this whole thing that that. Wanda was um, doing this unconsciously, and I agree she was doing it in the beginning unconsciously, but there's so many occasions where it's clear she's become aware of what she's doing, and she just keeps doing it. You know what I'm saying? So it's just very, very bizarre. I don't understand the morality of this thing, but I was I was saying something. What, what, what was I saying before you... you you jumped in with something, and oh, I was my saying... Bad. I'll stop interrupting. I missed it. No, it's, it's, it's okay, but I'm trying to remember the point I was trying to make. Um, do you remember what you jumped in with? Because that would help you remember what I was trying to oh, say. Oh, no, you're, you're, just, you're just saying how, like, uh, um, it was when you, you mentioned that she uh, she blew Monica Rambo out of the construct. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, think, I, think I, was, I think what I was saying was, if I remember correctly, I was saying how um, even if you argue that she was starting this unconsciously, there's all these different times. Yeah, that's what it was. There's all these different times where people told her what she's doing. Vision told her, hey, um, for, well, first off, what did it make sense? Why did Vision touch the guy's head in his workplace and get him out of the... Like, like how would he know to do that? Like, what what is going on that, that he would just zap this guy's brain? Uh, I have no idea why he would do that. He just zaps the guy's brain in the middle of a conversation. I don't know how he knew to do that. But anyway, um, Vision tells her, hey, you're keeping these people under spells. And she's like, shut up, Vision, whatever. And she shuts him down and recontrols him. Um, Monica says, hey, you know, this is not real. She hurls her through, like you said, and basically should have killed her. Uh, she, should, she tried to kill her for telling her. So I'm like, okay, any of this kind of talk where she was doing this unconsciously because of grief is out the window. And, and again, in... Marvel Universe, she was good for like several decades. She earned enough goodwill that her turning bad or doing something weird was, you know, she had enough goodwill earned that the audience should stay with her. But in the Marvel Universe, she's only been a, a good person, supposedly, for like two and a half movies. So to me, it's enough to jump to her and to making her, like he said, worse of a villain than she ever was in the comics, you know, is just, is this all so bizarre to me? I don't know. Does anybody out there have any? Um, I feel like at this point, anybody who likes this show is probably afraid to jump in because they're like, "Oh, these guys are <laughs> total haters." The other, but, the other thing I mean, that was, um, the other thing yeah. I was a little bit uh, perplexed about was, okay, so um, after Vision uh, gives that little ship of Theseus speech, and him and Cataract have their face off, and then uh, Cataract flies off to do who knows what. I thought like. Vision and Cataract might melt together somehow and then reform into the original Vision, but that didn't happen. So Cataract just disappears, and then he's just like he's just non-existent for the entirety of Phase Four. And you would think that a being that powerful and not under the control of the Shield Wait, 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 who who is who is this? Which which person? Cataract is like the 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 re like the reconstructed Vision. Oh, I missed that it was called Cataract. 
Yeah. Oh, I have so many issues with, with that with that with that thing. Oh, don't even get me started on that thing. Oh my god. Yeah, I, I, they they called it Project Cataract, so I assume that that's what they that's that's what he was called. But, um, yeah, he, like, <laughs> he flies talking? off, and, and then for the remainder of, um, well, I guess I'm spoiling things a little bit for you because you have to slog your way through the rest of like all of the the Phase Four, uh, slush pile. But he's completely non-existent, and not, like he's not under the control of the Shield Successor Agency anymore. So you'd figure like, okay, well, what, what has he been doing this entire time? Oh my. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, you know what? Even without the spoiler of the fact that he has not played a role in the rest of Phase Four, which is insane to me, I didn't know. Cause I didn't. I didn't get past this. Right. Um, what's What's crazy about this to me is forget that he's not playing playing a role in the rest of Phase Four. Even in this show, right? Okay. This is very interesting. Remember when I was talking about there's this weird thing happening in Marvel Comics and Marvel TV and movies where they're making the identity not matter. And what I mean by that is, it's like, you know, Spider-Man switches bodies and dies, and then some new Peter Parker pops up in this new superior Spider-Man. This is in the comics, right? That it's like, how do you know this is the real Peter Parker? And they just treat it like the real Peter Parker. Same thing with, with um, Captain America. Like, they have this thing with Captain America. Um, some Some magic girl remembers Captain America and creates a Captain America out of her imagination to fight this other Captain America to turn evil. And we're supposed to accept that this Captain America she created out of her imagination is the real Captain America. And you made a great point about how in the show Invincible, they tackle the same thing, but they acknowledge that, hey, you can't just create a new body and download memories into it and say it's the same person, you know? And you brought up Ship of Theseus, which that was a brilliant um, metaphor and this show made it explicit. This show actually said Ship of Theseus, which blew my mind. The show said uh, there are two visions, and it's like, hey, which one of us is the real vision? Uh, I don't have his physical form. I'm just created out of this bitch's mind. And then the other vision, the other vision is like, hey, I'm just a bunch of parts that were reconstructed by some crazy white assholes outside, you know, the government. And then the imaginary memory vision, which is not a real vision at all, just someone created out of Scarlet Witch's memories, says to the vision that is the physical vision, but has none of the vision's memories, I will reactivate your memories, right? So, it, this was very weird to me. The white vision, right, is basically the real vision. He's actually the physical corporeal form of the vision. This, this uh, mental masturbation vision basically reactivates <laughs> his memory, right? And at that point, he says, I am Vision. I'm like, holy shit, the real Vision is back. The physical Vision has now had his act- memories reactivated, and this motherfucker just runs away. <laughs> like, he's yes. getting all his memories back, his love for Wanda and everything. You would think he'd be like, okay, stand aside, fake memory Vision. The real Vision's back. I'm actually gonna fight with my woman against these bad guys. And he's like, no, you know what? I'm fine. I'm just going to go run away somewhere. Uh, hey, fake mental masturbation vision. You you, you, take over. you take over. So I'm like, wait a minute. Why is this fake mental vision being treated as more real, more like the real vision than the actual real vision? Than the like, real vision. 
Yeah, it's very bizarre. So, so, so forget that he didn't do anything beyond this show. Even in this show, when he got his memories back, he didn't bother fucking with Wanda. He didn't say, hey, Wanda, hey, here I am. I'm back. I love you. They'll fight with you. He's like, goodbye. Boom. And she's there. And this is this is a weird thing with this new Marvel. Like, the real thing doesn't matter anymore. They're trying to make everything interchangeable. Like, hey, here's a Loki. It's not, it's not the actual Loki you know. It's 2012 Loki, but it's all the same. A Gamora and Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, whatever. Like, any version of anything with this out of somebody's imagination, out of the past, out of another multiverse, they've made everything interchangeable and that nothing really matters. And and it's just like, I don't... And, and this is a weird irony of the whole thing, right? And I might be jumping ahead of stuff right here, but it is a weird irony of the whole thing to me. And after this, we're going to get, get to Thomas. I see Thomas is waiting here, right? This show is supposed to be all about grief. And about uh, all this therapy one on one bullshit, right? Which I find very. I mean, I feel like this is like some some big city feminist writer did a couple of years of therapy and it blew her mind. And she's like, I can't wait to work it into the next thing I write. And she worked it into this bullshit, but she was not as fixed as she thought. So she brought all her blind spots into this thing and didn't learn anything. And you know, people don't care because the audience is just as fucked up, right? But okay. Here's the problem. What they're saying about in therapy is great. You can't avoid your real problems. You have to face them or you can't run from yourself. You have to face yourself. But the problem is that assumes a person is mature enough to understand the truth about themselves, which I feel is not coming through in the writing at all. And here's, here's what I mean. There is a scene in this show where the dog dies. And what, I know what they're going for in this, right? A lot of people think I don't like this show because I don't know what they're going for. I know what they're going for. They're just not self-aware enough to realize that they don't even follow through on what they're going for, right? Wanda tells the kids, hey, you can't run away from your problems. I know it's very tempting to fix this dog by bringing it back to life, which is what you want me to do, or by aging yourself up so that you have to deal with it. With it. But you can't age yourself up. And you can't ask me to bring this back to life because life is teaching you a lesson and you have to learn. Wonderful lesson. I understand that. And what they're trying to say in this show is Wanda is unaware that the lesson she's teaching her kids is the one she herself has most to learn. Okay, I'm with that. But the problem with that is this show itself has not learned the lesson it's saying the kids and Wanda have to learn because they're bringing back a fake vision. Like for all the talk about how you can't bring things back and death has to be final. They've undone the vision's death in this thing. You know, they've um, undermined their own, their own message. Like, like before vision, before she's to let vision go and get her lesson, they just finished bringing back vision's body, reactivating his memories and sending him away. So they basically resurrected Vision and sent him away to come back another day. So what's the point what's the point or the giant uh tragedy of her letting her imaginary mental masturbation vision go away when the show itself has undermined death and resurrected and given the audience the reassurance, hey guys, don't worry. The real vision is um coming back. You, you see what I mean? 
Yeah, like what I thought was going to happen was then when uh, when I'm not going to call it mental masturbation vision. When imagine when imaginary vision uh, touches um, white vision's forehead, I thought that I don't know, like maybe he was going to like disappear or, or like reintegrate with vision somehow, and that white vision would have regained his color. But yeah, him taking off was just like, all right, well, what's the point of all that? Yeah, it's very bizarre, but also. From what I understand, Wanda dies in um, the the Doctor Strange movie. So what's the point of resurrecting him? And then Wanda dies, and he never gets to re- reunite with her. So her final closure is with the fake mental masturbation vision. Then this vision that is actually the real vision they brought back to life is never going to reunite with her. So what I'm thinking is they're going to bring back some kind of fake alternate universe Wanda. Oh lord! Yeah, and that was the other thing too. That was now that you've mentioned it, I'm like, wait, wait a second. So they know that, um, like through sword, they would have to know that um, that uh, reconstructed vision exists. So why wouldn't Doctor Strange at least try to go to find him to talk some sense into Wanda? Yeah, that's a great that's a great point. And I feel like by the time they finally do bring him back, they're gonna bring him back to reunite with some um, alternate universe or alternate timeline uh like the, the marvel's in this thing now where they've created so many outs for themselves either through time travel versions or multiverse versions to just have people die for the sake of fake deep you know moments and just bring back um um cop-out versions of themselves like, like this vision that they totally wasted this reconstructed vision is going to end up probably reuniting with the fake alternate universe or alternate timeline Wanda. We're supposed to treat it like it's the same thing. It's a whole weird Chip Thesius thing. It's weird that when I watch this, I'm like, holy shit. So Q's Chip of Thesius point, these people actually are consciously aware of it. They just think it's a good thing. Like, it's fine. <laughs> it's like, they're like, hey, the Chip of Thesius is cool. I, I don't know. It's all... Yeah. This thing enraged me. Uh, Thomas, uh, by all means, feel free to unmute. Um, yeah, I mean, if you love this show, feel free to give me your full-throated defense of this show, because <laughs> I was very unhappy with it. I Honestly, I haven't even seen it. Uh, I don't intend to ever watch it. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 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 sure, I'm, sure, I'm sure this talk really sold you on this show. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I honestly, I've, I've seen some of the movies, but I, I don't like any of the, the Marvel uh film television show things um i think you guys raised a lot of the reasons why they sort of fail in terms of their like writing and thematics but i just wanted to add on like aesthetically they're also horrendous like they just look terrible all the compositions are very flat oh i totally agree but you you know what's crazy they've gotten better like like the weird thing is their writing used to be much better but they were grayed out and horribly composed and whatever. They've they've gotten marginally better in the looks. Like there's more color contrast and better color palette. But say they've gotten ten percent better in the looks, they've gotten three hundred percent worse in in the writing. So it's like it's actually gotten worse to me. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I, I mean, I, I think it's part of just like the process of making these movies. Is there's really no artist. You know, there's no artistic signature behind any of them. 
they're sort of half made by the previs team. You know, the director doesn't really have anything to do except just like execute a plan that Marvel has given to them in advance, you know? So I don't know. Yeah. No, I totally, I totally agree. I mean, the weird thing about this thing, like I said, is the first three episodes had some, like, okay, um, for people in the audience who have read comic books, um, this is a very common thing that happens in comic books. It happened in old DC comic books. It happened in Spider-Man comic books where Mysterio used to happen. It used to be this kind of crazy cover. If something was crazy, it was happening in the cover. It made no sense. It would be like Superman chasing like Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen, and he'd be like, if you make those pies, um, the world is going to end. And they're like baking some pies that have timers on them. Like, it was something insane. Then you read the comic and then in the comic, you find out through some crazy circumstances that um, what happened in the cover was some weird fake out. And they find some clever way to show the scene in the cover, but also make it fit into reality. You know what I mean? And I thought, I thought the show was going to be like that or like, Spider-Man used to have it, right? Like, like there'd be a story where Spider-Man woke up one day and he was shrunken, right? This is an old um, Stan Lee, John Romita Spider-Man story. And it's, Stan Lee and Steve Ditko did a Spider-Man story similar to this, where Spider-Man was going insane, and he was walking into a room, and the room was upside down, and he was just convinced that he was going insane. He started going to see a psychiatrist. But he goes to the psychiatrist's office, and in the psychiatrist's office, the room is going upside down, too. And in both those stories, it turned out that it's Mysterio. Mysterio was doing things just to make Spider-Man think he's insane, right? So um, Spider-Man realizes, oh, wait a minute. Somebody nailed all the furniture on the floor to the ceiling and vice versa. I'm not going insane. And when I started watching this, I thought that's what was going on. I thought it was going to be, we're going to get a bunch of episodes with different sitcoms. And then we're going to find out, very simply, some villain is fucking with Wanda. She's going to fight the villain at the end, and it's going to be fine, um, which is kind of what they did. But they tried to mystery box the whole thing and tie it into something bigger. And they messed up by having Wanda be the biggest villain of all. Like, basically, Wanda was the real villain. And no matter how they try to say, like... <laughs> They try to do this thing at the end where they bring Agatha out and say, oh, it was Agatha all along, you know, and, and all this stuff. And it's like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> Agatha just took advantage of a situation that the Scarlet Witch created. Like, Scarlet Witch just fucked up this whole universe and town and whatever. And then Agatha was an opportunist. It wasn't like this, the other stories that comics has where the actual villain creates the whole fake scenario or whatever. Um, Scarlet Witch is the Mysterio here. Scarlet Witch actually is the villain. She creates the whole head fake situation. And on top of that, she tortures a whole town to do it. And then Scarlet, and then Agatha Harkness just comes in at the end. Basically was like, hey, I just want to know how you did this. And I was just trying to um, study it so I could do the same thing one day. Okay, that's fine. But the show kind of tries to act from that point going forward, hey, Wanda's a hero. Scarlet, uh, Agatha Harkness is a real bad guy. It's like, uh, no, not really. Like, Scarlet Witch still fucked up all these people knowingly. And I just don't understand what this show is. It's just very bizarre to me. I don't know. Yeah, give me, give me like a silly, like, 
Superman versus a uh, Mister Mixel Pixel, whatever you know, comic where he's somehow messing up Superman's totally. of the world or whatever. Totally. Yeah. 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 Exactly. This would be like one of those Mister Mixel Pitlick type of things, except. Superman actually did all the bad stuff himself. Mr. Pitlick just showed up at the very end and being like, hey, as long as you're fucking everything up, let me just, uh, <laughs> let me just hang out and see what happens. Like, this is very, and, and, and I told Q this, right? Um, I said, this show is like a Felicia Sanmez. I'm sorry if it's inside baseball for people who don't follow like New York media, but it's like a Felicia Sanmez tried to write, um, a superhero story. And she just, you know, this doesn't understand how normal people work you know it's like this woman is a terrorist this this character but yeah it's this idea that uh as long as i feel grief you know everything is okay my my grief trumps everything and yeah it's it's a very common thing that happens now in fiction but i just don't under understand it um hey q can i ask you a question are you set up to pipe audio into the um, chat because there's something I want to pipe in here, but it's not working for me. Hello? Yeah, I'm not I'm not set up right now. I'm not at my desk. Okay, so, so you know what I'm going to try to do? I'm going to try to hold... This is very old school, but I'm going to try to hold my mic to my computer. Um, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's a scene, right, in this show called Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend has this um, scene that's making fun of this idea that as long... Actually, you know what? It speaks for itself, right? So this song is called Nothing Is Ever Anyone's Fault. And Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is a musical uh, show on uh, CW. And this, I think, happened in 2000... At the latest, 2018, 2017. But they kind of hang a lampshade on and predict this trope. And I feel like the same thing happened with uh, Kenobi, with Reva, with this idea. And this is how Tumblr and Twitter people think. As long as I can prove I'm traumatized and oppressed, I have a free license to be a totally emotional terrorist to everybody around me. That's like Tumblr, Twitter morality. And because they're recruiting a lot of modern writers off of Tumblr and Twitter, they're bringing this morality into these TV shows and comics that are meant to go... all that ontological infallibility. Mm, that's a great. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Your identity crossed up with your can be used against you. Yeah, and this is idea that they they assume normal people are on board with this, but it's like Twitter people aren't even on board with this most of the time. So it's like when you bring this stuff to something that's meant to go to like five million soccer moms and regular people. Of course, it's going to go bad. And then they get mad and claim that's racism and sexism. But it's like, no, normal people don't follow Tumblr slash Twitter morality. And I'm going to play this. Um, I'm going to play this thing. I'm going to hold my mic to the computer. I hope it, the sound comes through. Uh, Q or Thomas, if it doesn't come through, just please um, let me know. So I'll stop. I'll, I'll stop. But here goes. I have issues with my father. I have issues with my mother. Those things made me kind of a jerk. You helped me realize that. You helped me to see that sometimes we can't control how we act. I mean, everyone has their reasons, right? Before I knew you, I did. 
did bad things and didn't know why But now I know you And I've learned to look inside I understand what makes me frightened and sad So yes, I still do bad things But are they actually bad? No, because nothing is ever anyone's fault we're all just products of childhood trauma Nothing is ever anyone's fault Pain causes anger and fear causes drama We can't control the things we do Just like I can't control that I'm in love with you Wow, the first part was kind of immoral But the last thing was really sweet Thanks What else? I was raised to believe that every person's in charge of their fate. But now I clearly see that my father's a dick and he filled me with hate. You were the first person who told me that. Maybe you have a point. I was brought up by a fat shaming mom who made me take laxatives the week before prom. Yep, now I overeat ever since that. See, psychology is a great excuse. Nothing is ever anyone's Nothing fault. Nothing is ever anyone's John fault. John Wayne Gacy was hit by his dad. Exactly. It wasn't technically Hitler's fault. It wasn't technically Hitler's fault. Hitler's brother died and that made him super sad. It's hard to paint people with evil or glory when you tragic backstory free wills and illusion morality is due so it's not my fault that my parents messed me up cause their parents messed them up and Adam and Eve were messed up by God who was messed up originally by the Big Bang everything is the Big Bang's fault Space was the ultimate bad father. Nothing is nobody's Nothing fault. Nothing is nobody's. Is that a double negative? Eh, it sounds good. Why bother? But I'm glad for the trauma. I'm glad for it too. Cause my past is what led me to fall in love with you. Yeah, I'm not sure if the words were able to be perfectly uh, made uh, out, but I feel like that I song that. perfectly encapsulates. I was laughing part of the way through when she was talking about um, her mother fat shamed her and made her take laxatives. I was like, oh, damn. Yeah, it was like it was like Hitler's brother died, and and the, the Big Bang is the ultimate bad father. Like, like yeah. as long as you have trauma, <laughs> nothing is your is your fault. And that's the weird way that people on Twitter. Like act like and to go back to the old thing with Felicia San Mez, it's like, hey, I'm being like a total crazy person to everybody in my workplace, but you know something something abstractly bad happened to me, so I'm fine to do this and whatever. And it's like that's why I said this this show is like Felicia San Mez tried to write a sympathetic. Um, tw- this is Twitter Tumblr logic, and it's just the weirdest thing. Because okay, here's the problem: the vision died okay fine 
or whatever. But 50% of the population died. That means that all the people she's torturing, half of them had had similar trauma to her. So why does her yeah. trauma trump theirs? Like, this town, 50, you have to assume 50% of the people in this town lost their real spouses and kids, just like she did. So why are they, like, less important to her outside of the fact that she's um, a main character in the Marvel Universe? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's actually a great point. Um, that's the, uh, the, the Game of Thrones fallacy, which is that sometimes, like, uh, shows and films get so caught up in the lives of the most important characters who tend to be the people who are either like the most powerful people or the most influential people within that universe that the stories get so caught up with, or the, the writers get so caught up with their stories 